and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, Worship Executive and Director of Liturgical Resources. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Director of Music Ministries. So during this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that, that inspire worship teams and worship leaders to seize this moment and to realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and to shape the church that we are becoming. You know, it's become cliche to speak of these times as unprecedented times, but churches everywhere have struggled with technology and with issues and changes that no one anticipated. And we're still learning about the impact of all of this on attendance and corporate worship. What is clear is that there is what seems to be an overwhelming sense of grief and loss in our communities right now. For some, this is delayed grief. For those who are unable to properly mourn loved ones lost during the pandemic. For others, it's a loss of job or status because of a changing economy. Still others grieve a changing church, those we already have endured and other changes yet to come. Today's conversation is the third in a three-part series on grief and loss. In our last podcast, we the team talked about how our worship is an opportunity for giving voice to our laments as well as our praise. And we gave examples for worship planners to think and contextualize what that means in their communities. Then the second part, we talked to Reverend Stephen Handy, who talked about his own grief and loss during this time and how he as a leader was able to move through that in in community. And today we're going to talk with Reverend Dr. Heather Murray Elkins. She is the Emerita Professor of Worship, Preaching and the Arts of Drew Theological School. She's an elder in the West Virginia Conference, and her ministry has included teaching on the Navajo Reservation, small church pastoring, truck stop chaplaincy, and seminary faculty. There's a lot there to talk about right there. (laughs) Her current writing projects can be found at alteringtheworld.com, and her videos on YouTube are on YouTube at Holy Stuff of Life. Welcome, Dr. Elkins. It's been a while since I've talked with you, but it's so lovely to have you with us today. And so I'd like to ask you first to just tell us how you're doing. What I've discovered uh, to answer this, I actually have to tell you what I'm doing. And uh, what I am doing these days in Wilmington, Delaware, um, in a retired uh, uh, position um, from teaching and also from active pastoring, is I arise every morning, woken up by our dog, Hannah Arendt, at uh, 6.30, and I go out on the back deck and I greet the sun 
Um, and I use two prayers. Uh, one is um, the Navajo blessing on the beauty way. And the other is that wonderful prayer that uh, the Order of St. Luke and the United Methodists know as new every morning is your love, great God of light. So whatever the night has been or the, the week or, in fact, this season, those prayers anchor me in a way that um, enables me to say I am um, surrounded um, and supported and um, it is well with my soul. So what I'm doing is the answer to how I'm doing. <laughs> so many so many of us have just um, loved having the opportunities to sit at your feet. I'm thinking particularly in AAL and the, the clergy women's group there where you have led us in profound ways. So I, I know that that's one of the major things you've done in the past. And then of course, Drew, but tell us a little bit more, Dr. Heather, about other things that um, you've been involved with, some some past experiences that are really poignant, that are still just very much first and foremost in your heart and in your head. What are you doing? Uh, I, um, I'm, I'm drawing on this wonderful gift of my first teaching experience being um, on the Navajo Reservation, because as we move into this creation season and into the way in which we're literally re attempting to reorder ourselves um, ecologically for our own salvation, um, I, I find that experience of having been immersed and maintaining contact over the years with indigenous groups and First Nations, um, I, I find that um, that experience really anchoring, you know, my sense of hope and and trust. Um, it's it's not that it isn't in Christian experience, but it's a subdued note, and we have to almost dig our way through to find it again. We can certainly locate it in the Psalms, um, but um, this is where I think this is most important that we are um, in touch with other faith traditions that have done better with um, care and love and connection with earth and creation. So uh, that experience, and like I said, you know, greeting the sun in a Navajo blessing and a, and a, a very old English prayer is, is one way to, to hold those worlds together. Um, what I loved about um work, and I did work, uh, paid for graduate school by working as a truck stop chaplain. What that gifted me with was this um, reminder that when people talk with you and you're listening deeply, what they are trying to do is tell you their name. Mm. Um, and if you can listen through what it seems to be almost random uh, streams, you, you you can hear that. You can hear them attempting to pronounce their name and uh, share with you that that piece of their world. And to be able to hear that deeply and then reflect back is a is the ministry of the baptized. I, we 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 claim our names, we call our names, and we enable others to 
um, see and hear that we know their name is beloved mm-hmm. and share that back with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that experience, uh, because in that setting, I had, um, in fact, I, I just was unpacking and found it. I had a little plastic tag that had my name that said Chaplin. And the, the uh, clergyman who hired me um, asked me to wear a, a, a black suit with a collar, which I never did as a pastor. But they wanted to make sure that um, I would be able to be separated from some of the other women who were working at the truck stop. They wanted it to be really clear what I was there for. Um, so, um, and what I found is I sat, you know, in the booths or at the counters. Um, I, f- I found that that incredible desire of every human being to be heard. And uh, Nell Morton, who taught at Drew years ago, one of the first feminists, uh, said, when we feel most alive is usually when we feel someone has actually heard us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's hearing, it's hearing someone into life. That's how she spoke about it. And I think that is one gift if we have ears to hear, um, that we can offer those who are in grief. Mm-hmm. Because grief is not, um, it, it doesn't, it's not, as, as Beth Richardson reminds us, it's not linear. Um, and, and I deeply appreciated her work through the upper room and her lessons on loss. Um, it, it, we circle, it's almost a spiral. We circle and we circle back. So being able to hear over and over again, and each time a deeper a deeper hearing in terms of grieving, um, to be able to hear the story, and in fact to be able then to link that story with what we understand as God's story, is um, a task right now. And some of you may remember the name Peggy Way, mm-hmm. uh, a wonderful. Um, uh, psychologist. And I heard this easily 30 years ago from her. She says, you know, what happens when you're bombarded with grief and trauma and it gets into your bones, uh, you go numb so that you can survive. You develop really elaborate filters so you don't hear, so, mm-hmm. so, so you don't hurt so much. And she said, sometimes the only way to respond to that when your body has literally put itself to sleep gone numb is the willingness to listen to one other person's story mm-hmm. and if that story gets under your skin it starts to wake you up and she said and then what happens if your arm goes to sleep and, and you try moving it well it's uncomfortable it, so you have to decide at that point, when you're hearing something that really challenges you, gets under your skin, whether or not you're going to press through the discomfort so that the circulation and life returns, or whether or not you're going to say, back to sleep. Mm. I think that's the choice we're going to be in right now. There are mm. so many people that have had to go numb, <laughs> and what might bring them awake, and what brings them awake sometimes um, as the world has discovered, is anger. Mm. Yes. 
which is addictive, which will prevent them from actually feeling grief. Right. Right, right, right. So how to do this, how to help them um, feel and stay awake. Hmm. Uh, and we and we have we have gifts, we have sacraments, we have scripture, but what we have lost is the gift of laying on of hands, of passing the peace, of hugging. So um, we need to redouble possibilities using uh technology but also keeping in touch uh i I just wrote something briefly about uh drew has a theme right now um it's we're supposed to be rooted innovative courageous Mm. which i think are that that's those are words that we as christians and united methodists um that we should own deep Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's hard. I mean, those are words. So here's what I'm proposing, and you can do it with me if you would. Okay. okay. You put your thumb here. Okay. Which is on, which is on the forehead. Those on the forehead, are, right? Uh-huh. Draw it down your chest to above your belly, mm-hmm. and say rooted. 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 Then you move your thumb to your left shoulder. Touch your left shoulder. And you bring it across your chest to your right shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you say, innovative. Innovative. And then you take your thumb, lift your thumb straight up and circle your head and bring it back to rest again on your shoulder, your left shoulder, and say, courageous. Courageous. Now, Protestants gave away, by and large, this incredible crossing one's body as a form of sanctification, we need this because you could do this in the privacy of your home or in a hybrid situation. Um, and, and, and that way the body is still in touch, a embodied yeah. way of praying. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to say about um, how to stay awake um, and what to do in our grieving and I am in the process of grieving the loss of um, the world that I had before and the work I was called to. Um, I have an incredible life partner who is slipping away. Um, And so this time is deeply important to us. Um, It is a gift to remember fasting. (laughs) Because it's throughout the Bible, grief and fasting food and grief i mean when the community wants to show their love in the midst of grief they bring food but we need to return to that understanding of a a conscious fasting so that the body feels the grief um and the the hunger for uh wholeness again and, you know, Wesley asked, you know, the pastors, will you practice what? Fasting. You're just right. You're to practice fasting. And we've kind of given that notion away. So um, in an age where um, there are so many eating disorders, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think for grieving, we need to return to grief and fasting. And what does it mean to um, experience spiritual and actual physical hunger for uh, righteousness 
mm. the way of staying awake. Mm. She said, could you not watch with me? Yeah. So this one well, way to watch and wake, yes. It's it's the with me that I, that I want to jump on there. <laughs> yes. You, so many things you just said and in, in, in what you shared. Thank you for that. You know, we could take threads from all that and run in all different directions. But but come back to fasting, come back to rooted and innovative and courageous. I can do that on my own. Yes. But for them to really be impactful, we have to do them corporately. We have to do them together. Yes. Declare a fast, meaning we're yes. all in this together. And and you even said, you know, from the numbness that what gets us out is not ourselves, but being able to reach beyond to one person. So it's that that corporateness that that I think we're in a time of schism and separation and the anger that you talk about that drives us apart. You know, how do we overcome it? How do we continue to proclaim and invite community and connection and, and understand that my rootedness is incomplete somehow without acknowledging your rootedness and the rootedness of people who I may never meet and have been a part of, but I stand on their land, I stand on their shoulders, I stand, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, so how do we connect together all, all of these things? And I, and I see that as at dealing with grief and loss. Yes. Our human inclination is to withdraw. So I'll take care of it myself. Right. right? You right. go take care of your grief. When you're well enough, come back. I, As a pastor, I heard that. I'm not ready to come back. Yes. And I wanted to say, here's where you need to be to get ready to, to yes. live, to be alive. Uh, and so how do we get through that individualization, that separation uh, into a corporate sense? Well, this is where I think the genius um, and the Holy Spirit have helped, particularly in those communities that were able to make that jump into hybrid because it, we're watching each other online. Of course, podcasters are listening, but um, I ask you to trace the sign of the cross and we did it together, although we are not you know, within right. 500 miles of each other. Um, so those who are able to take that leap theologically and technologically outside the walls um, mm -hmm. enabled that. And the other thing that I have found, I mean, I know this, um, but I learned it again. In the midst of our grieving, what helps is to be of use to someone else. Mm -hmm. And um, in this particular community, I was new to the community. I moved in literally with Bill right as the walls came down. So I wasn't able to explore churches very, you know, in any depth. But there's um, there's a Lions Club located in a community center, and they have a very simple motto: where there's a need, there's a lion. They don't care about the theology. They don't care about the politics. They want to know: is will you show up to help hand out food on Thursdays? Will you? Um, Learn how to knit and create a scarf for someone who's homeless. It's every day. It's every week. It's of be of some use to some other human being. Mm -hmm. And and the simple task of serving someone else enables the grief to have a channel. Mm -hmm. um, and that I'm just saying what's such an obvious United Methodist thing <laughs> to be of service. But um, it's it's the doing that the church needs to be about now. How to identify the human need and be there. Um, 
but That's also to do and to listen. You know, I go back to what you were saying of yes. hearing somebody else's story, knowing their name. Hearing uh, them into life. Hearing them into life. Yeah. Um, I think we need to practice goodbyeing. Mm. Yes. Uh, God be with you is yeah. where goodbye came from. And, and we need to practice letting go. Mm. Um, we learn we're born knowing how to do this. It's an instinct to know how to hold on. We spend our entire lives learning to relax our hands and let go. It's a practicing goodbye. And, um, and in terms of aging, that is an essential, that's an essential way to handle grief. Today, I can't do what I did yesterday. Tomorrow, I might be even less able. Churches that feel as if they are, you know, um, falling, in, into that terrible chasm of of uh, of death, need to think about how to turn that fear into um, an affirmation and uh, practicing goodbyeing. Um, Kathy Black and I uh, put together a book called "Wising Up: Resources for Women and Aging." And for example, in that book, there's um, a blessing of a walker, uh, and and how 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 you use even if it's two friends to help you bless that which now makes it able for you to continue to exist mm -hmm. there's a wonderful ritual there on how you help your mother give up her car keys mm -hmm. um a ritual for um a blessing for a mastectomy um so uh, that about the grieving it's not it's not only the death it's the loss of the job it's the loss of the ability to go to the office it's at any rate, all of this is ways to practice goodbying, and you do need to name it and have a community, no matter of two or three, to be able to recognize that with you and move through that ritual, whatever that is, that enables you to turn loose. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful, Heather. I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not even conceive been able to conceive of those kinds of ritual responses. To friends that I am now dealing with, family members that I'm dealing with, who very close folk who are now uh, moving into uh, the afternoon of their lives and experiencing all of these things that you're naming right now. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. The book is called Wising Up. Wising Up, uh, Resources for Women and Aging. And um, uh, the other thing that I, um, you ask about resources, um, I, I can't live without the Psalms these days, and I, um, I'm leaning heavily toward um, the Luke and Psalter uh, that's available from the Order of St. Luke. It's what I read in the morning aloud and greet the sun. Um, also, the poets, uh, Mary Oliver um, and uh, a newer poet, Lisa Creech uh, Bledsoe, um, who's dealing with um, wonderful uh, Appalachian-ness and what does it mean to have MS, uh, where you lose your ability to even balance. Um, but also Emily Dickinson, and she reminds me about the goodbying, um, a quote, um, parting says Emily Dickinson, parting is all we know of heaven and all we need of hell. <laughs> so it's the poets that 
say what is inescapably true. And so we need the, the psalmists and we need the poets and we need those people who can make us laugh and want to dance. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, close with a um, what lesson I learned, and, it, and it's a Thanksgiving lesson, if this is um, a good timing for this. My mother's mother lived to 102 and was blind for the last 10 years of her life. And when we would gather, we being the four sisters uh, and her mother, when we would gather, we'd always gather wherever grandma was. And my job in those gatherings, particularly around Thanksgiving, because I am a terrible cook, my job was to feed grandma. That, that was considered safe. I just stayed out of the kitchen right on the edge. And as she got older, um, the sense of taste departs. But what you're left with almost to the very end, I learned, is that you can taste bitter and you can taste sweet, your taste buds. So grandma, um, she ate a lot of ice cream um, uh, because why, you know, she can she lived long enough. She can have dessert for herself. I'm in the room off the kitchen and my sisters are fussing about the recipes and I'm feeding grandma with a spoon. She's blind. And I bring the spoon up and she stops the spoon with her hand, covers her mouth and stops the spoon. And then she uses her hand and finds my hand and brings my hand to her lips and kisses my hand. And then she goes back to eating ice cream. And here's what I learned right then, that we have a choice in our lifetime. We will either learn to kiss the hand that feeds us or curse it. That's our choice. And if we make the choice for Eucharist, Thanksgiving, we kiss the hand that feeds us, both in our beginning and then at our end. Mm. And that helps with the grieving. It turns that into a hallelujah. Amen. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. <laughs> we can always count on you, Heather, to take us there, mm. wherever there is. And all of your, every, um, every worship design that you have created has always served to transport us into a whole nother level of understanding and being and knowing and touching and we just so thank you for that. Thank mm. you for taking this time. I mean, I can't even believe that we got you here today. <laughs> and that you had time to spend with us. We love you so, so much. And yes. I want to thank you for hearing me into life. Mm. Amen. Amen. Mm. <sighs> Until the next turn of the road, dear ones. Amen. Amen. And so those of you who are listening, we want to say thank you for joining us today. Aren't you glad you came? Uh, I know that you wouldn't have missed this for the world. And we certainly do hope that this has been a blessing to you. Remember that you can find more information about um, Heather, why don't you tell us again what your website is? Where can people find you? All right. Um, the website um is the blog is 
uh, altering the world, A-L-T-A-R-I-N-G, altering the world.com or the, the videos are on Holy Stuff of Life on YouTube. And every, every week I write and post something on Facebook. This week it's on Mary and Earwigs and Transgendered Children. Mm. All, right. All right. So so you heard it right here. Uh, we will post that for you on our website, which is umcdiscipleship.org. I'll give that to you again. It's umcdiscipleship.org. And we want you to tell us what you think about these conversations. Let us know what you want to hear more about. Let us know how uh, these conversations have been a blessing into your life. Until the next time, we'll be praying for you and we'll be praying with you and your congregations. May God continue to bless you exponentially, bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. And happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.